Well, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Young Adults tonight. Uh, so excited that you guys are here. And man, we really wanna encourage you. Friend Week is something that we do every single semester. And one of the things that is a priority for us here at Young Adults is that we would stay outward focused. And guess what? There's friends you've got, your sphere of influence, that you can actually influence them to come and to hear a message of hope. And so uh, it's pretty simple. You go and snag your friends and come. But we are in our last week of our dating and marriage series, our DM series. We've talked about singleness. We've talked about dating and we have also talked about marriage. And tonight we are talking about sex. And what we are talking about tonight is that sex is a good gift from God, that sex is a good gift uh, from God. And so that's what we'll be covering tonight. There's really like two goals with this message. The first is this, is that we would understand God's design for sex. And the second is this, is that you would be freed from any just, just weight of sexual sin in your life, that you would have some uh, resources, some, some guidance in how you can have victory in this area of your life. And uh, our goal here at Young Adults is that as you enter into relationships and as you get married, is that you would actually have a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse and that we believe that is a good thing. But before we dive into really more of that conversation specifically. I think what we have to do when starting out a conversation like this is we have to understand who did God create us to be and like how does God view us? Before we can understand how we are to view the gifts that he has given us, we have to understand how God sees us. So I'm gonna ask you to follow along with me. We're gonna be in uh, Psalm 139, which is one of the most popular Psalms uh, in the book of Psalms and one of the, probably the most popular, popular passages of scripture that there is. And so we're gonna be in verses 13 through 14. And it says, uh, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And so as we read that, we start to see how does God view us? He created us for a reason, for a purpose, but how does he view us? Is that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that actually every single one of you in here, every single one of you who is watching with us online, before you ever took a breath on this earth, is that God already had a plan for you and created you intentionally to be the way that you are. He knitted you together in your mother's womb, that your life matters, it has meaning, it has value, and it has purpose. And I love how it says in verse 14, it says, I praise you. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So what that tells us is that as we understand who God has created us to be, it should actually turn us to praise in our lives. And what does that look like? That's kind of a church word, right? What, is, what does it mean to like praise God? I mean, it means to worship him and do what we just did. But it also means this, I think we praise God, I know we praise God whenever we are obedient to his word. That brings God praise when we are obedient to his word, when we take it seriously, and when we follow his word. And that, so if we were to understand anything about sex, as we talk, this is, let's just acknowledge it, that this is a huge piece of the conversation when it comes to relationships. But if we are to truly understand this, we have to know how does God view us? And in order that this is a gift from God, 
And maybe you're in here tonight, you're like, man, I'm, I'm back at church again, and here we're talking about it, and, it's, and it's, we're talking about sex, and there's just going to be a bunch of rules and everything, and uh, it's like, man, maybe you've heard that, and that's kind of the way you felt, but can I tell you that sex is indeed a good gift from God, that is something that is designed for intimacy and relationships, that it connects you, that it bonds you. You're able to show emotion and feeling through that relationship that it is a good thing from God. So here I say that because he is the one who created this good gift. But what we have done with this gift of sex in our society, in our culture, and in our world is we have taken this gift and we have made it a God. We have taken the gift of sex and we have put it in the position of God. What do I mean by that? What God should be in our lives is the one who directs our steps, who guides us, who determines our thoughts and our actions, the way that we act and the way that we perceive the world. That's who God is, that's how we view God. But what has happened in our society is we have taken sex and we have put it in the ultimate position. And people in our actions are sometimes guided and often guided by sex. I mean, isn't that clear to see? through the image-based driven society that we have, that this image of sex and sexuality, it's everywhere, it's absolutely unavoidable. And we have taken this thing that God has designed as a good gift and we've twisted it and we've made it into this confusing thing that it doesn't have to be. How do I know that? I mean, let's think about it for a second. Would you say that in the realm of sex that our world is just crushing it and getting it right? Look at all of the travesties that have been committed as we have deviated from God's design for sex. And we're gonna talk more about that in a second of God's design for sex, but look at the things that have happened in our world. Look at how many people have been hurt How many people are walking around with baggage? How many people, like we see sex scandals with politicians and and honestly, sometimes we see that with religious leaders and we see that in, in our culture, in our society and we see it breaks things and it tears it down. I mean, think of all the travesties that have been done because we have taken this good gift, a powerful gift from God. We've either distorted the view or we've treated it casually and not with respect. And therefore, we reap the consequences. Think of the entire Me Too movement, that there are people that, are, that have this need to share the hurt that has happened in their lives. It's very wrong, right? The reason that that movement starts is because we have missed the mark in sex, and we have taken sex, something that is supposed to be done in service and in compassion and caring and love, and we have made it into something that's selfish. We've taken sex, and we've made it into this selfish act, and our world misses the mark in it. You know, as I was preparing for this, and you, you know, I've known I'm, I'm talking about this for, for a few, few weeks now, a while, and as we plan and prepare, you know, I was on Facebook one day, and uh, they've started including the reels on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that algorithm will get you. I tell you, the reels that I like to watch are people doing cool stuff at talent shows and assemblies. I don't know why, maybe it's because I don't have any like talents that I would have ever done. At an, anyone with me that can say, yeah, I'm in on, I love to see like the person, the lights go out, they're doing a dance thing or whatever at the, the talent show in front of the whole student body. I don't know, maybe I didn't have any good memories in high school and uh, I just feel like I needed one. But anyways, I love watching these and Facebook got me. It gets me with those and one day I clicked on one and it was a guy, he was, he was drumming, it was in this gym, it's full of people, full of high school students. And uh, he's drumming, and as he starts out this music set that he's gonna do, uh, he plays this beat, 
and the whole crowd erupts in laughter and cheering. And I was like, felt like I was on the wrong side of an inside joke. I was like, I don't get it. I like, I know I'm 30 now and I don't understand everything, but I, I missed the mark on what was funny about it. So I clicked the comments. I'm like, how am I missing this here? And what I saw as I scrolled through the comments that the beat that this guy played in front of the whole school as everybody cheered and plotted and everyone's clapping and thinks it's hilarious is that he played the sound, the theme sound of a popular pornography site. And that just struck me of how we've missed the mark when it comes to sex. Because if you read about what actually happens for some of those pornography sites, I remember in 2020, whenever the pandemic started, that in Italy as the lockdown was super tight there and it was one of the first countries that was hit, places like Pornhub offered free service to people in that country. And it was, it was looked at in the news as like, this is this awesome thing. But what I saw, because when, when we treat sex so casually, is that Satan was putting a noose around people's necks and we were applauding that. And I thought, man, that's so sad that this whole group, they're cheering and they're laughing at this and we've taken this gift and we've just thrown it on the ground and we've trampled it underfoot. And I'm here to tell you that there's a better way, that there's a better way than that, that sex can be this good thing, this great thing, this good gift. We have to view it in the right light. What about this? This is a big room. There's a lot of people in here. There's people in here that because of the selfishness of other people have been impacted. Some of you have been sexually abused. You've had wrongs done to you. And you know the feeling of hurt that comes along with that. And I just have to speak to this crowd for a second. If that's you, I've talked to people who have been in these situations before. And there is a hopelessness outside of a relationship with Christ. But when there is a relationship with Christ, God can actually rejuvenate you, restore your soul, give you peace, give you hope. You don't have to feel like broken goods, that you can actually be restored and you can have healing from that. And I believe that God can do that for you. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy, but that's why community matters so much, that you have people you can share your story with that can help you process through these things. And what happened to you was not right. You might carry some weight and you're mad at God about that. And I think that that's somewhat understandable. I get the thought process. But God promised us in his, world, in his word that there would be brokenness and pain in this world because of our sin. And it's not your fault that that happened to you. But there is healing that exists. And there is a future hope for you. And there's a future hope for all of us as we explore God's gift of sex. I wanna to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. This is my favorite passage in, in describing really God's design for sex and, and kind of the mistreatment of it. And it says this, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that as Paul is writing, he's writing to a group of people who are often missing the mark in regard to their sexuality. He's answering questions for them and giving them advice of what it looks like to be a Christ follower in regard to their sexuality. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And as we look at verse 19 and we begin to break that down, we need to define what is sexual immorality. And as we look at the New Testament and it's written in Koine Greek, this common Greek language, and as we see it translated, sexual immorality has come a word called porneia, 
Thus, we get our root word pornography from. But when we see this word porneia or sexual immorality in scripture, what it's talking about is sexual relations or sexual actions that are outside of the marriage bed. That sex is something that God designed between a man and a woman in the context of a marriage. And anything that deviates outside of that, pornography, when you're cohabitating, sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, these are things that deviate from that. And this is something that Paul says right here that we need to take seriously. Not that we should like dabble in it, but he says what? That we should flee from this. We should flee from this. And so what is God's design for sex? I mean, think about that. In the context of a marriage, I want you to hear me out on this. It's like, you don't have to worry about performance. You don't have to worry about, uh, you, you know, what's gonna happen down the road because Jared talked about it last week. If you're in a marriage that is committed to pursuing God, together you are doing that. You are one body. You are unified. You are whole. That sex is this beautiful thing. You don't have to have all this pressure wrapped up in it. It doesn't complicate your relationship. It actually is something that makes it better. And can I tell you, those of you who are engaged and about to be married or anyone who's married in the room and and as you seek these things, that sex is actually better when you're doing it in an act of service to your spouse. When you treat sex not as selfish of what I can get out of it, here are my preferences, here are the things that I like, but when you treat it in a manner of how can I serve my spouse, how can I love my spouse, how can we honor God together and show love to one another, do you know how much of a safe environment that is and a healthy place to be? and one that you can look forward to and celebrate and you don't have to feel bad later, like that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But sexual immorality is the opposite of that. And Paul's words here are strong because with this awesome gift, the opposite is true that there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that comes with it. I already mentioned before, we've talked about singleness already. We talked about dating. We talked about marriage. Sexual immorality, sex outside of God's design ruins those things. It ruins it. If you're single, we talked about it, is that you are supposed to be fully devoted to God, pursuing him, serving him, on mission for him. If you are engaging and choosing to engage in sexual immorality, what does that do? You can't serve two masters, right? You can't be fully committed in just choosing to live in this sin and not fight against it. It ruins singleness for you. If you are addicted to pornography and you're not fleeing from it, you're not fighting to get help, you're not fighting to eliminate that sin in your life, if it's not possible for you to be the person who you are looking for is looking for. You don't wanna, I can tell you this, you don't wanna take that into marriage, I promise you that. It ruins your singleness. What about your dating? sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, I understand the temptation is real. I understand even for those of you who are engaged, that temptation to just go ahead and be disobedient to God is so strong, but it will not set you up for success in marriage. Because guess what? Sex is the easy part of marriage. The hard part is being committed to each other day after day. Husbands, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submitting to your husband, allowing him to lead. Those are the hard things. Those, those are the tough things in marriage. And if you cloud that dating scene with that, it's only gonna get more complicated. And much less than that, like let's, let's look at the science behind it. 
When you engage in sexual activity with someone, endorphins are released in your brain, right, into your body that bond you and connect you with somebody. Do you know how much harder is that as you're dating and hopefully with direction, right? If you're dating with direction and you're engaging in that activity and you're bonded to this person and what if this relationship isn't where God wants you to be? Do you know how much harder it is to exit that relationship because you have not maintained purity? I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it makes things more difficult. What about marriage? If we look at it, sexual immorality in marriage, we hear all the time stories of um, you know, husbands cheating on their wives and, and, and wives leaving their husbands and the pain that that brings. Many of you know I was in public education for a long time. It's sad to see a family walk through this. It is absolutely heartbreaking because our sin always has a ripple effect. And that ripple effect not only affects those two people in the marriage setting, it affects their children, it affects their family, it ruins things. And that's really tough. Sexual immorality, it ruins singleness. It ruins dating for us. And it also ruins, it ruins marriage. Here's the deal though. You know, Paul kind of talks about that every, you know, every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. There's a different weight to it. And we know this, I mean, if, if we really knew, everyone in here, most of us have struggled with sexual immorality at some point in our lives. And it's not a great feeling. In, 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 in an act of transparency, I'll tell you this story. When I was dating my wife, I remember this conversation before we were ever engaged, before we were ever married, one time, in, in a moment of weakness and not having boundaries and guardrails set up that I needed, I saw some photos on Instagram and I chose to engage in those. And I remember the weight and the feeling with this, this girl that I was in love with, like I felt as if I had cheated on her. And honestly, I really had in that sense. Like the weight of that was so heavy. I remember exactly where I was when it happened. I remember exactly where I was when I confessed this to my, my now wife, my girlfriend at the time. Guys, can I tell you, you don't want to ever hurt somebody like that. That is not a good feeling. But that's what sexual immorality does. Because we live in a culture, Pastor Eddie says this all the time, that baits us to the edge and then chastises us when we cross the line. We live in a society that baits us to the edge, but then chastises us when we cross the line. Satan is a master at making it feel like it's not a big deal until it's a big deal. He's conniving, he's cunning. He came to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's a liar and a thief. He wants to rob that from you. That's why I think of 1 Peter 5.8, we've gotta be sober-minded and be watchful because our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. We have to be on guard. We have to be on the lookout for those things because what the world preaches to us and teaches us many times is this is not this big deal. We see it in sitcoms as it's happened throughout the years. It's this casual exchange and there's no hurt and there's no pain with it. It's just bodies touching bodies is nothing. It doesn't matter. You're just looking at a screen. There's no weight to that. But every single person in here who's engaging it, you know that feeling of heaviness. And I think oftentimes where that leaves us is, you know, we, we just kind of gross, right? We feel this, this just weight on us 
We don't feel clean, pure, holy. You know, I look at this as like, man, I wouldn't want to drink that water. I wouldn't want to, I don't want to like put that in my body. And I think that's the way we feel oftentimes after we've engaged in sexual immorality is we feel like this. And oftentimes we don't want to feel like that. We don't want to feel unclean. But that's where it leaves us when we don't follow God's plan. So you might be sitting there and you're like, man, this is heavy. I'm with you. This has been heavy so far. This is a heavy message so far. But I want to tell you that tonight there is great hope. No matter where you've been, maybe you're someone who's never struggled with this, man, praise God for that. You, you are so blessed to be in that situation. I just wanna challenge you to keep being obedient to Christ because it will not disappoint you. But I also wanna tell you because probably in church, we talk about what not to do a lot, but we don't talk about the victory and the hope that Jesus gives us. Can I tell you that there is a path to victory in your life? When we are obedient to God's word, there's a path to victory that you can have victory over this sin. Maybe you've tried a hundred times before. You've tried everything and it doesn't seem like it's working. I wanna tell you that there is a pathway to freedom. I've seen it at times in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of guys around me, girls around me who have been freed from the bondage of this and it only comes through obedience to Christ. And it doesn't handcuff you. It doesn't make it feel like a weight that is on you. It's actually the most freeing thing. And that's what I don't, under, like, I, I want people to understand this, is that following God's plan in this area of your life is not a burden. It is a blessing, okay? It is not a burden, but it is a blessing. And it's God who can give you the victory in your life. How? What is the pathway to victory? What does that look like? I would say it comes through two things. If you're struggling in one of these areas in your life and you wanna get back to the good gift of sex and viewing it in that way that God has given, I think it comes through two different ways. I think it comes through confession and it comes through accountability. Why do I think that? Because that's what God's word says, that healing comes in response to that. And also as I've seen people practice and apply this in their lives, I've seen the victory that they've had. Confession. Who do we need to confess to? When you feel that feeling and that way, what does confession mean? Well, first we need to confess to God. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we go to God and we confess that we have sinned in our lives, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever confessed this to God? The second thing we do is we need to confess to others. James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another so that we may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of righteous people has great power as it is working. That something changes, it happens when you air this. And it's not just in regard, this isn't just an attack plan for sexual immorality, this is an attack plan for every sin in your life. Pride, anger, whatever it is. That confession is an act of humility. Nobody likes it, I've never liked confessing that. No one wants to, you know, we don't look forward to that. But confession is powerful. And there is no victory without confession. 
Confessing to God, confessing to others. Why does confessing to others matter? It leads us into our second point of accountability. We were not made to do life alone. Why do we gather on a Tuesday? Why have we pushed groups so hard every single week that you need to be in community as a young adult? It's because you were not made to do life alone. You cannot fight a battle by yourself. If you're trying to lone wolf this and be a warrior and just mental tough your way out of it, it's not going to happen. You need the help of God. You need the help of others. Coco, who's on staff here uh, with us, and uh, she has a phrase, she says that sometimes we need to borrow other people's faith. That's where accountability comes in. Because when you're at uh, your, your breaking point, when you're at a pit of despair, when your life is a train wreck, you're at rock bottom, you need someone else to have a vision for your life and to see in you the victory that God can provide. And sometimes you need someone else telling you that. That's why community matters. So if you're here and you're not in a group, I mean, these pews are great and all, but you need to get in a group of people that you can share with, that you can be open with, that you can be transparent with so that you can have victory. You need accountability. Scripture tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so when man sharpens another, one woman sharpens another, as you spend time with other believers, you will actually be molded and shaped to become more Christ-like. That as we, uh, you know, all through the book of Proverbs and in, in Psalms in many places too, we see the value of seeking wise counsel and seeking wisdom. That when you surround yourself with a community of people who are pursuing God, they're able to speak wisdom into your life. That's why that accountability matters so much. Confession and accountability are a pathway to victory. And I'm not saying that it's gonna be easy but it will be worth it. And maybe you're in here and you feel as if I've tried everything, I've gritted my teeth, I've been there before, but I just can't seem to change. What does verse uh, 19 say? Paul says here, he says, or do you not know, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? that when we accept Jesus as our savior, something incredible actually happens where we have the Holy Spirit dwell within us, giving us strength and power. Acts 1.8 says, but we will actually receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on us. So you're, you're exiting, right, just trying to uh, do this on your own and willpower yourself, but you actually have the power of God within you, helping you to overcome and to make you more Christ-like. And that is something that as you're in the depths of those struggles, you have to remember that you can walk by the Spirit and, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. that you will not gratify the desires of your flesh by walking by the Spirit, that it gives you power and strength to do what you cannot do on your own. The pathway to victory comes through confession and it comes through accountability. And in verse 20, I'm not sure if you caught this earlier as we, we broke this message or this passage down. What does it say? It says, for you were bought with a price. Did you know that any sin you've committed, the darkest, deepest, whatever it is, doesn't matter if it's in the area of sex or whatever else, God knew beforehand that you were gonna do that. And he still chose to send his son to die on a cross for you, to pay a debt that you couldn't pay on your own. 
Because when you're feeling like this, right? You're dirty, you're gross, you feel unclean and impure. What Jesus did on the cross for you is that he bought you with a price and that as he enters into your life, Jesus makes you clean. What you could never do on your own, Jesus comes in and it's he who makes you clean. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, what you've earned, what you deserve, God chose to cancel that if you accept him. Because why? He sent Jesus, you were bought with a price. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him everything, but he did it for you. And all you have to do to have that gift, if I were to hand you, to, hand you a gift and say, hey, I got this for you, all you have to do is say yes to it. It's that simple. Faith is just mind blowing because you can spend your whole life studying God's word, but like this idea of faith is just so simple. You just have to say yes to receiving the gift. It's admitting your sin, believing that, G, that God is who he says he is and that he sent his son Jesus. And it's confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life, that you're willing then to walk with him and follow him. Admitting, believing, confessing, saying yes to following him. Romans says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you said yes to following Jesus? He's the only one who can give you purity, not only in this life, regardless of what baggage you bring in, but also give you hope for the future. He's the only one. And there is a pathway to victory. And sex, I think, is very simple when we understand it as a gift from God. It doesn't go in the place of God, it's a gift from Him. One that we can use, one that we should use, one that we can enjoy. Man, that's awesome. I feel like that's a little more simple than what the world tells us. It's a good gift. It's got parameters, but they're good things. I wanna ask you guys to bow your head for just a second.